Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. So uh, let's pray together, Father. Oh, we just thank you, Lord, that, that you are good, that you are at work. Father, thank you that um, you have a desire to lead us into relationship deeper and deeper. Uh, to not just know about you, Father, but to know you, to really know you. We thank you that you're Father. We thank you that you're Almighty, Lord. And as we come to your Word this morning, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We pray that you take your Word and speak it deep into our hearts, that it is planted, that it grows and flourishes in our lives, Father. And Father, I just pray, I pray for a touch of your Spirit on this place this morning. A grace, Lord on this place as we come to Your Word. Help us to receive. I pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Awesome worshipping with you. So good. Um, I've I've got a message this morning that is um, just, it's the first part of something that God is stirring up in me. So it's not pretty in any way. Uh, It's not polished in any way, but uh, here it is this morning. And I really believe um, that not only is is this been something God's been stirring up in me, but often like part of our challenge as we bring a word is to say, Lord, is this for me or is this this your word for our faith community? And this, I, I really believe that this is a word, it's in season, it's for our church and it's actually for the church at large in this season as well. And so today I want to speak to you about f- the fear of the Lord. And um, I would say that there could be a fair chance that you've been in church for a long time and uh, you've never heard a message on the fear of the Lord. Uh, but here it comes for you today. Uh, Proverbs 9 says, The fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. And I've, I've been meditating on this and what it actually means for this to sit in our heart, this fear of the Lord and praying that the Father would actually give us a greater understanding of what this fear of the Lord actually is. Could I get the house lights up just a little bit, please, Charlie? Cheers, that's better. Now I can see all these mask covered faces. Praise the Lord. Uh, all right, if we're getting into this, um, 1 Kings 13, open your Bibles. Uh, it's going to come up on the screen for you as well this morning. Um, this is a very interesting passage of Scripture, uh, maybe one that you've never read before. I read it recently and it felt to me like the first time I've actually ever read it. I'm going to jump in and just read a chunk of this. First Kings 13. Are you there? Okay. It says, By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. 
as Jeroboam was standing by the altar to make an offering. By the word of the Lord, he cried out against the altar, 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 this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priests of the high places who make offerings here and human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. The altar will be split apart and the ashes on it will be poured out. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, seize him. But the hand he stretched out towards the man shriveled up so that he could not pull it back. Also, the altar was split apart and its ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God, by the word of the Lord. Then the king said to the man of God, intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God interceded with the Lord and the king's hand was restored and became as it was before. The king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I will give you a gift. But the man of God answered the king, even if you were to give me half your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord, you must not eat bread or drink water or return by the way you came. So he took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. I'm going to pause there and just give you a little bit of context because we're reading in here about this man named Jeroboam. Jeroboam was a king and he was leading the nation into sin. Uh, He did know about the Lord, but he was doing things his own way. And so Jeroboam had done a few different things. He'd set up, the Lord had put in place these festivals where people would come and they would honour him and worship him. Jeroboam had set up his own festival. So first, he kind of made a mockery of the Lord's festival. Uh, Then he went around and he installed temples through the land, just his own temples. They were not temples to worship the Lord, but he just set up temples. And even though the Lord had said, no one shall be a priest, but those come from the um, tribe of Levi, Jeroboam went and just any old Joe could apply for a job to be a priest in the temple. Um, And then these people were also paid to be priests by the king. So what this actually meant for them was that um, the king told them what to do. They were not there for the Lord. And then he went another step further and he had these two huge golden calves made and he put them at each end of the land so that the people, rather than travelling to Jerusalem to worship, they would travel to these idols and they would worship these idols instead of worshipping the Lord. So this is just some of the stuff that he did. Um, So God sends this man of God. The man of God has no name. He's just known as the man of God. He sends the man of God to Jeroboam to prophesy and give Jeroboam an opportunity to actually turn from his ways. Okay. Now, after the man delivers his message, he's actually heading home. If we read on, he's heading home. He's sitting and he's waiting under a tree on his way home. Another man who's referred to as the old prophet, also no name, just the old prophet, 
he hears about what's happened at the altar and he actually jumps on his donkey and he chases the man of God down and he finds the man of God. And there's this interaction that takes place where he says to the man of God, I want you to come to my house and have a meal with me. He basically, he has an agenda and he wants this man to do what he says. And just as he did for the king, the man of God says to him, I cannot come with you for the Lord God has told me that I will not eat bread or drink water and I am to go home a different way. So thank you for your invitation, but I can't do it. The Lord has said no. Now we jump back in verse 18. This is what happens. It says, the old prophet answered, I too am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, Bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. While I was sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet who had brought him back. He cried out to the man of God who had come from Judah. This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. Okay, so this like, I mean, this, this is meant to get you angry, okay? So the old prophet lies and says, hey, the word of the Lord came to me. You're meant to come with me. The man of God says, okay. Then there he is in the house. This time the word of the Lord really does come to the old prophet. And he says, you disobeyed the Lord, you goose. And I feel like the man of God was like, well, you told me to. What's going on here? So this is, it goes on. The man of God leaves and he's on his way home. Verse 24, it says, As he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. And his body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. It'd be a great message just to leave right there, right? Like, are you thinking about disobeying the Lord? Uh, In all honesty, I don't have time to really get into this passage at a theological level. Um, But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I actually get scared for people at times when I get a sense that they are running from the Lord or running from something that they are aware the Lord has specifically called them to. It actually makes me feel really uncomfortable And in our walk, in our following Jesus, there is this tension, this very real tension between the mercy of God. We love the mercy of God. God. We love that God is gracious. We love receiving His grace over and over and over again. But there is this tension between that grace and mercy and the judgment and the severity of God. Because here is the thing, is that our God is a jealous God that He is abundantly jealous for you and for me. And when He sees us going our own ways, He wants to draw us back to His ways. Here's what I find confronting in this passage is that it's not the king 
the king who's leading the people into sin, it's not the king who gets killed by a lion. It's not the prophet, the old prophet that blatantly lies to get his own way that gets killed by a lion. But it's the man of God that disobeyed God who gets killed by a lion. Now, does this raise some tricky questions for us to get our head around? Absolutely, it does. Did God send the lion? Big questions here. Does God call, cause bad things to happen? Or did God just allow the lion to attack this man? Here's what I do know from this text is the very fact that the donkey didn't run away from the lion and the fact that the lion and the donkey, or that the lion didn't eat the man or the donkey, that they were still there with the body, it is a sign, a supernatural sign that the Lord's hand was on what was taking place there. And so can you imagine what it was like? It actually goes on and it reads on and the old prophet, he actually goes and finds the man of God dead on the side of the road. It says that the lion and the donkey are both still there. And so like, can you, like I'm just going to go and get this man, all right? And lion, can you please not eat me while I'm doing this, okay? This was a very interesting scene. Here's what else I know is that God does not want us to live in fear of Him. He doesn't want this theology built where we actually are thinking to ourselves, oh man, I stuffed up again. Uh, When I walk around the corner, there's probably a lion waiting for me, right? This fear-based living actually creates a lifestyle of fearful submission to God. This idea that God is just a bully and He's just waiting for people to stuff up so He can get out His giant magnifying glass, right? That's not the relationship that the Father calls us into. But the Father does know that His ways are higher than our ways. And He does know that there is a place of grace that He actually has for us to walk in And He desperately desires for us to actually walk in that place. Now, some people might be looking at a passage like this and there's others like this in the Old Testament. And maybe these are passages that, you know, you probably don't hear these passages really preached on, that we read them, but we skip over them. But you might be thinking, well, that's Old Testament, right? And this is not in the context of Jesus having come and taking our judgment on the cross. And I understand that. But here's the thing, is that God's character is not changing. Is that our Father is who He is yesterday, today and forever. He is unchanging. And here's what we do see in the person of Jesus. Did He judge people and call lions to come and kill them? No, He didn't. But He was um, so active in confronting those who knew the Word of the Lord and either abused it or kept it from people or only allowed it to affect the outside and not the inside. This is something that Jesus did. He, he confronted the Pharisaical spirit in people, the religious spirit. 
The Spirit that says, I will take this relationship that the Father desires and I will break it down into rules, a list of rules that I can keep and check off. Something that is achievable in my own strength and is achievable outside of relationship with the Father. This is what Jesus came and spoke against. Are you still with me? Okay. So there is a difference between fearing the Lord and a fear of the Lord. Now, I want to try and show you this a little bit. Um, Lisa and I are blessed to have an acre and a half of property. Uh, we call it the Holy Land. Uh, it's our sanctuary. The Lord gave it to us and uh, it's beautiful. And I love, one thing I love doing is um, getting outside and spending time in the yard, especially with the kids, working in the garden or doing whatever it is outside. Are there, are there other gardeners in the house? You know you've reached a certain age when people say, oh, what are, what are some things that you like to do? What are your hobbies? And you say gardening, okay? So I'm there, I'm in that place. If you're with me, we're all in it together, okay? And so there was this one day, I was actually outside doing some yard work with Levi, my son. He was um, probably about seven at the time. And he was down the other end of the yard and I was up the other end and I just heard this shout from Levi. And I could hear in his voice instantly, he just, he just called out dad. But I could hear in his voice the way that he called out to me that it was just pure fear, <laughs> that something was going on. And thankfully, I was able to see him from where I was and he was standing down on our driveway and I could see that there was a snake. Even from a distance, I could tell that it was a brown snake and that it was big and it was right at Levi's feet. And he'd been actually walking down the driveway and, uh, and this snake had actually crawled out from some, some grassland in our neighbour's house and uh, it wasn't phased by Levi's presence one little bit and was just coming past him. And Levi had just frozen in place and called out to me. Thankfully, I had my gumboots on already. I had a shovel in my hand. And so I just ran. And uh, it was a brown snake. And as soon as I got there, this snake actually fired up and started coming at me and trying to attack me. And uh, I can't tell you what I did. Uh, the snake lived, the snake lived, unfortunately. Anyway, and while the snake was attacking me, Levi ran off into the house. Now, should we be scared of snakes when they're attacking us? Uh, there's a fear in that, right? There's actually some healthy fear involved in that when we are scared of snakes in this situation. Let me tell you another story. Um, before I was a pastor, I actually worked for Energex. I was a cable joiner by trade. I worked on our supply, electrical supply network. And um, when I first started, they've got this amazing training program. I went in not knowing anything. And uh, they take you to this place in Rock Lee. It's, it's, it's their training yard. And there's like, there's like hundreds of power poles in this yard and all different network scenarios there. And each day you go in there and you train and you train and you train before you graduate and they release you to go and work in the field, right? And of course, it's under safe conditions. 
and the power's not turned on while they're teaching you and things like that. But there was this day I remember specifically, the day came and it was the day that they would turn the power on and you would work on the power that day. And everyone just had this nervousness about them as we knew that we were going to go into the yard that day and that on this day there would actually be power running through the wires. And so we went down that, that, that day and there's a process that they've got to do to make sure that everyone in the training yard is aware and there's a siren that goes off and then there's this red light that comes on and we're standing down there in the yard and, and I could hear our trainer, he's on a walkie-talkie and he says, all right, make the, li- make the yard live. And this siren comes on and this red flashing light comes on. We've got this training activity that we've got to do. And he says, all right, now get up there. And it was a crazy feeling because here we are for the first time and we go up this pole and we're working on these conductors. And it's the first time that you realise that there is actually something in these conductors that is so powerful. And that if we don't treat it right, that it can jump out and bite us and it's not going to be good if it does. And you know what was so interesting, I thought, is that when you're training to work on power lines, they actually teach you this technique that you learn over and over and it's where you keep your hands together as you work and you work on one thing at a time because the risk is as soon as you split your hands, then you can touch two separate conductors. And so they teach you over and over again that when you're working here, two hands together. When you need to work over here, you work over here. And you actually have a spotter on the ground that if you split your hands together, they'll point it out straight away. And here's the thing. This is what a fear of the Lord actually looks like. A fear of the Lord is an awareness of His power and His desires for us. That we can acknowledge that He is so almighty and so magnificent that both in this place of grace, He can offer that to us. And yet there is this place of justice and judgment that He must respond from also because of who He is. And here's the thing that God desires that there would not be compromise, is that in our life, that we would not have our attention divided on two things, that He is the primary place that we are surrendered to and that our attention is given to. And this is what happens in Scripture. When we see God's judgment responding to people's situations, it is where compromise has come in. One way that we lose the fear of the Lord is that we become too familiar and we take what is sacred and we make it common. And this is actually the opposite of reverence. This reverence, this awe, this fear of the Lord that we want to actually have. This is irreverence. Listen to this. These are the synonyms for irreverence. Blasphemy, defilement, desecration, and sacrilege. That's what it looks like when we take what is sacred and we make it common. And this is what happened. I'll give you another example. This is what happened when Moses was called to the burning bush and the father's voice from the bush says, Moses, take your sandals off for you are standing on holy ground. What Moses was doing in that place was he was walking into holy space 
with unclean feet. The bottom of his sandals were not clean. They were not fit to be in the presence of the Lord. He was taking what is common into the sacred. And the Lord said, do not do that. Take your sandals off. So let me give you a New Testament example. Are you still with me? Okay. Uh, Acts chapter 5. There's this great scene where these two people, Ananias and Sapphira, uh, they have a gift to bring to the church in a season where everyone is selling everything they owned and bringing it to the church. And they are both struck dead in a moment when they lie to the leaders about some money that they are giving and they imply that that is everything that they have when in reality they have kept some for themselves, that there's compromise in this situation. And this is what it says. It says, Peter said, um, how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. Now, here's the thing. Why was this so bad? Okay, you could say, well, it was their stuff in the first place. Isn't that okay if they, if they did that? But their actions brought compromise into a place where God required complete surrender. What the Father was doing in that space was sacred. And they brought compromise into that place. And the penalty in this situation was their judgment and their death. It goes on to say in verse 11, great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Psalm 89, I'll give you another context here. It says, For who in the heavens can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, those who stand in the presence of the Lord, and to be held in reverence by all those around Him. So this is, what, this is how it says that in the New Living Translation. It says, The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround His throne. Here's what I want you to know, is that those who actually stand in the presence of the Lord know how powerful and mighty He is. They don't get to forget how mighty God actually is. Are you still with me? Okay. Is this all right? Okay. There's no lions in Australia, right? You know, uh, for me personally, the last six months of ministry have actually been the hardest in our almost 20 years of ministry. And there's been a whole stack of challenges and a whole stack of personal stuff we've had going on as well. But in that time, I made a really intentional decision to say, Father, I'm going to step in into prayer in this season. And anything that's going on, I'm going to bring before you in prayer. And you promise that you'll actually take that from me and there will be no burden I have to carry, that you will take that burden from me. And 
over that time, I have seen the Father take me deeper into His heart than I've actually ever seen Him do before. And my prayer life has gone deeper than it ever has before to the point where I wish I'd actually prayed this way my whole life. That I'm like, Lord, I'm repenting. Lord, I'm sorry that I haven't come to You this way in the past. And you know, there's been a lot of tears that have been cried and it's been an emotional roller coaster as well. And there's times when you come to the Father and all you actually want to do is come to Him and share your heart with Him, but there are no words to actually do that. And praying in tongues is a beautiful way of doing that and our spirit prays for us and we've been doing a lot of that as well. Um, but I've also been blessed by praying the Lord's Prayer in this season as well. And I've prayed it so many times, I, I can't count. I've prayed it with my kids and my wife. And it, here's the thing is that um, in those times when you have no words and you get to this prayer, this is Jesus teaching His disciples how to pray. And you say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. And you know what? I can't tell you how many times that I've gone to pray the whole of the Lord's Prayer and I've got stuck right there. And the presence of the God of God turns up in that moment as I stop and I say, Our Father, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy is your name. Set apart, far above is who you are. And I start meditating in that space and just praying in that space and just glorifying the Lord for who He is. And sometimes I pray, Dad, my Dad, my heavenly Dad. And there's times where He actually comes and He meets me just like an earthly dad. And He actually speaks and He says, Dan, how are you, my son? What's going on? And that's what it's like those days. And there's other times that I pray this prayer. I say, our Father in heaven, and I am overwhelmed by His majesty. That the Lord that I'm praying to in this moment is the same God who breathed creation into existence. And yet He would come and say, I will be your Father. That you are my Son. A greater relationship than any earthly relationship I will ever have. This is what the Father desires for me. And I know in those times when the presence of the Lord meets me in that place, what I also get to know is that He is extremely jealous for me. He loves me so much. The things that I'm burdened about, He doesn't want me to be burdened about those things because He loves me. The things that I am worried about are actually in His control and not my control. He wants me released by those things. The things that are leading me away from Him, man, He hates those things. When it is sin, He hates it. He hates anything that pulls me away from Him. And this is who our Father is, that He is ridiculously, extravagantly, abundantly jealous for you and I. And what He desires is far more than us growing in our knowledge, more and more knowing about Him. He actually desires for us to more and more come into relationship with Him. This is what He wants. And this is why our Father 
exists in this tension to us of both grace and mercy and judgment and what appears to us as severity. He is both and. And we talk about this grace place so much and we love this place because the Lord is good. He is good and He loves us. And this is a message that we do need the world to hear as well. But this message is also for those, the assembly of the saints, those who are gathered together, the man and the woman of God who knows the ways of the Lord is that He is to be feared. Both and. Are you with me? When we receive Jesus as our Saviour, we also receive Him as our Lord. And it means that we actually submit to Him, we surrender to Him. And I would say that our church at large, we struggle with this message of surrendering to Him as Lord. And that we actually have an issue and the issue is that we have lost the fear of the Lord. I was talking to a guy once who um, he'd made a huge mistake uh, in his marriage. Huge mistake, stuffed things up, was devastated, was journeying through it, still in relationship with the father and uh, connected to some people that he was accountable to. And I was talking to him and I'll never forget this. There was this day where we just got into this place where we said, what, what happened? How did things come unstuck for you? And this is what he said to me. He said, Dan, I realise now that I lost the fear of the Lord. That's where I came unstuck. Where my understanding of God's power and judgment is grounded in knowing that He is good and that He is love and that He is jealous for me, that's when I find this reverence and this awe for Him. And that's when I can actually live this life in relationship with the Father in knowing, God, you are so good and you are so full of grace. And here's what I'm scared of. I'm not scared of you, but I'm scared of actually straying from your ways. I'm scared. My fear is actually from not being in your presence. My fear of the Lord actually comes from me being susceptible to going my own way. And what does that look like when that happens? This is a fear of the Lord. It's humility. It's the thing that keeps us on the straight path. Let me finish up here. Team, you can come up. I want to give you one more passage, short and sweet. This is John 15. Verse 14, and this is Jesus speaking. He says, You are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends. So it is possible to walk in friendship with God, but this fear of the Lord is going to be a part of it. Friendship with God and fear of the Lord go together. I'm going to leave it there today and we're going to pray. Why don't you jump on your feet?
God, we need your help. We need your help to receive both what is easy and what's hard. Father, we need your help to receive your correction. Holy Spirit, we need your help to see what is not of you, to know what is not of you. Just while we're praying, if you are here this morning and you know, like I need, I need to revisit this and maybe you actually need to repent here today. I just wanna ask you just to put your hands out in front of you, just as an act of surrender to say, Lord, this is me. I need this. I need fresh alignment. Father, you see the hands in this place. God, you see our hearts, Lord. Father, You know where there's been compromise and we just thank You for Your grace. We thank You that You're good. We thank You that You love us. Help us to be thankful, Father, also for Your judgment. Help us to be thankful for Your jealousy as well, Father. God, I pray that even in this moment, that those who are really struggling in this place today, that they will just get a fresh washing of Your love over them right now in this moment. Holy Spirit, that You'll come and touch them. Father, I pray that where there is a need for us to repent, that right now You lead each individual in this room, in that place to say, Father, I see, I see what I've done. I see that it's not Your will and I turn away from it, Father. In a transformed mind, we see a change of mind. I commit to this change of mind, this renewing process, Father, where we will seek Your ways, where we will look to be aligned with You, Father. And God, I pray that this won't be just a one-off message that's finished in two minutes' time, Lord, but this is something that we carry into this week, into the weeks ahead, Lord, and where we're quick to come and we're quick to see, Father, that I know this is not Your way. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to Your way. I desire to be in Your ways. Father, thank You for being jealous for me. Stir it up, Heavenly Father. I just bless each person in this house in Jesus' Name with a beautiful understanding of who You truly are. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.